Good morning, good morning. If you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to take them and turn with me to Luke, the Gospel of Luke chapter 1. We'll be in several different verses throughout both Luke 1 as well as Luke chapter 2. Welcome this morning to Big Woods Bible Church. Those of you that are joining us online as well, a special welcome first Sunday after post-Christmas, last Sunday of 2020. I saw somewhere, good riddance 2020 is a uh, little tagline I saw somewhere. I love, um, I love the little ones that we get a chance to spend time with. And they just, I wish you could see their facial expressions. I'm asking them questions, like, do you get it? And I, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And one little girl, in the end, she's, she's just got her head in her hands like this. Like, no more, no more. I won't embarrass her with names. Billy Powell's granddaughter. But other than that, want to protect the little ones. We need prayer. Um talked to several people this week, a couple of them, we don't just remember to pray specifically for Martha Caruso, Bob Leathers, both in a hospital, um, laboring through some illness and sickness, so we need to lift them up. And I, I know that there is, at some sense, just a, a heaviness that seems to be pressing on people. Um, we know, and Brad, appreciate your words of wisdom for us already, that this is God's plan for us to journey right now. So there's nothing by way of surprise. He gives to us everything that we need to endure and to be faithful in the day and time that he's called us to serve. Um, we need to pray. So why don't you bow your heads with me and we just commit our time to the Lord that he would open our hearts up to hear um, what he has for us this morning. Father, we do come before you, recognizing who you are in your sovereign reign and rule and ultimate authority. We thank you, Lord, that as we're reminded in worship, that every single breath, every breath that we take is yours. And Father, we together, whether or not people are in their homes listening online, the, those that are gathered here today, together, we worship you for who you are. We thank you for your grace and your love and your patience with us. We thank you, Lord, that you give us the strength to endure. Hearts are heavy for many. I pray, Lord, for our dear sister, uh, Martha. Caruso in the hospital. I pray for Bob Leathers as well. Father, I just pray that you would minister, bring comfort, bring strength and healing so they can be back home soon with family. We pray, Lord, as well that those that are struggling with a sense of fear, anxiety, uncertainty as far as, well, what is this next year going to bring? Father, we thank you that you hold everything, everything in the palm of your hand. We pray, Lord, right now that as we quiet, Lord willing, our hearts, that you would allow us to focus on you entirely, exclusively. Take the, the busyness, help us just to hear a word that, that you desire for us to hear and teach us and lead us and strengthen us, comfort us, 
or perhaps quicken and awaken our hearts if needed. Father, I personally just pray for help. Please, please, guard my mind and my mouth. May everything that is said and done be for your glory and for your glory alone. We ask this, the amazing and wonderful, matchless name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. And amen. There was, uh, there was an announcement made about a school play a number of years ago in Memphis, Tennessee. And, it, and the announcement read like this, and I quote, All the cast will be played by members of the eighth grade except the baby Jesus, who will be played by a concealed 40-watt light bulb. See, the kids are putting on a Christmas play, and to show the radiance of the newborn Savior, a light bulb was hidden in the manger. And it was said that all of the lights were going to be off so that only the brightness of the manger could be seen. But you're dealing with eighth graders, remember that. So the boy that was controlling the lights got a little bit confused and all of the lights went out. And there's this awkward silence and this tense moment. The silence was broken by one of the shepherds who says in one of those stage whispers, Hey, somebody switched off Jesus. You know... I think that is a pretty appropriate description as far as what has happened to many people in the world around this time. That a lot of people have just kind of like switched off Jesus. Nowhere, nowhere is this more noticeable than in some of the, the conversations that we hear. The comments and the phrases that are used, people speak about, and they, in a sense, are revealing where their focus is. Where we all hear terms like, I just have, I just have so much to do. It's just such a busy time, a busy season. I'm never going to finish. I'm never going to accomplish everything that needs to be accomplished. When you think about, when you think about this whole season of Christmas, I guess if you were to kind of measure airtime, what subject, in a sense, takes all the oxygen out of the room and it really seems to still be focused on this idea of, of getting and giving? At some level. Now normally, in a normal year, it would kind of be revealed in, in the stores, in the malls, where people are kind of crashing and colliding into one another. This year it's totally different because it's really about Amazon. It's really about this is amazing. Like, like I just ordered this and it showed up at my door in the middle of a snowstorm. It's about FedEx and UPS and they're, they're literally trying to keep up with what? With the fact that people have spent, even in a difficult year, billions, that's B, billions of dollars on gifts Either what, to get or to give. Everything, everything from slippers. I forgot to buy my wife slippers. She had like one thing on her Christmas wish list. It was slippers. <laughs> I bought her other, but I forgot the slippers. People are buying what? Slippers to sweaters. 
Everything from toys to tools, from iPads to iPhones and everything in between. And so we're like, okay, if Christmas is really about this, what happens? What happens when you accidentally put the sweater in the dryer? What happens then? What happens in a sense when you got to switch out your Xbox Series X for the new PS5 because this one's out of date? What happens when you drop your iPhone? In the bathtub. Well, like, what happens then? I, I think what needs to happen is we have to kind of boil it all down and get to the core and the root. As far as if people have kind of switched off, we could say switched out Jesus. What do we do with that? Best placed, only place to find the ultimate answers that we need to have for us this morning is the word of God that directs our attention, I think, in a perfect way, in a needed season, to what I call the wonder of worship. That's really what Christmas is about, the wonder of worship. So what I've decided to do this morning is, is to introduce you to a couple different people throughout the Christmas narrative. Let me read some verses kind of scattered throughout Luke chapter 1 and see if you can kind of follow along and listen to some of the characters and how they respond to the news, to the events, the circumstances surrounding the story of Christmas. In verse 41, Luke chapter 1, And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Jump down to verse 46. Mary is another key character. Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Down to verse 67 and his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and what happened and he prophesied turn over to Luke chapter 2 it says what and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying and we know this glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among all those with whom he is pleased Jump down to Luke chapter 2 and verse 20. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and all they had seen exactly as it had been told to them. So what happens here is that within the context of Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2, we're introduced to some of these key characters within the Christmas narrative. Elizabeth is one of them. Mary, obviously. Zacharias, the angels, shepherds. When, when, when the angel announces the arrival of the Messiah, this is the Savior of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ, all of those surrounding this announcement, all the participants of what we could, could call the very first Christmas, respond. And there's a similarity to how they respond with thanks and with praise and with blessing and glory to God. Basically, it's one response revealed in different ways, and it's really what we could call they what? They all worshiped. At some level, they expressed a supreme attitude. 
that at some level people miss today. They miss it very, very quickly and miss it very easily. So we know ultimately it's not, it's not about what we focus a lot of attention on. The purchasing, the picking out, the, the, the presenting of gifts. Rather, what it is, it's about the presenting of ourselves. That's what, in a sense, the attitude or expression of sincere appreciation to God and to God alone. So rather than, like, what am I going to get? This is so much fun. It's better to give than to receive. Rather than even focusing on that by way of what are you giving to another person, how about, how about this morning we focus the wonder of worship is the offering of ourselves, the giving of our selves. I think the timing of this, as we're just about to turn the page to what? To a new calendar year. This is a supreme thought for us as we enter 2021. I read a story recently of a young stranger who was climbing the French Alps, and he was making his first climb, and he was accompanied by two very experienced and stalwart guides. It was a long journey, a steep and a hazardous ascent, but the young mountain climber felt secure because he had one guide ahead of him, and he had one guide behind him. They climbed for hours Hour after hour after hour until finally they reached what? The rocks that were protruding from underneath the snow. They, they reached the summit. Out of breath entirely, the first guide said, Do you want to go ahead of me so you can be the first one to get the view of both heaven and earth together? The young man was excited and he he went to the front of the line and forgetting, completely forgetting about the fact that there are furious winds and gales that blow up there. He immediately stood up, to which the guide behind him literally grabbed him and threw him on his knees. And he yelled at him. He said, on your knees, sir, on your knees. You never going to be safe up here unless you're on your knees. It's a wonderful picture, wonderful picture for us. That is great advice, not just for when you reach the summit of a mountain. It's wonderful instruction for us when we, when we see the sight of our Savior lying in the manger at Christmas, we must be very careful to approach this wonderful scene on our knees in worship, in submission and surrender. If this season is a time, whether or not it's post-Christmas, pre-New Year's, we, we begin by asking, okay, so like, wh what is it? So we know that we're supposed to, but what is exactly worship? It is an attitude, it is the spirit of, of something on the inside of us. Like something happens deep within. It is an attitude of the heart that is so filled with wonder, so filled with gratitude of what God has done for you that you give absolutely no thought, no consideration to your own personal wants and needs. 
I've heard, I've heard worship described, defined like this. It is total abandonment to God in praise and adoration. Total abandonment to God in praise and adoration. For lack of a better term, it is getting lost in the wonder of God. You know, we have to check ourselves. I have to check my own heart. You ever been lost before? Like, like, and not, not what you're thinking. Like, take a wrong exit, and you got some guy beeping his horn behind you. You're in the wrong lane. I know, I hear it. Like, I'm trying. Not that kind of lost. Okay? Ever been lost before by way of lost and I don't want to get too sappy, but kind of lost in the wonder of love. You, you, re you remember years ago? And it's sad we have to kind of go back, but think of that, that boyfriend-girlfriend experience. And it's like, <gasps> like she, she's like, I can't breathe. Like that, that lost in the wonder of love. Someone is so starry-eyed and so infatuated with that one individual that they're oblivious to everything else that happens around them. Newlyweds, they're just, just like holding on to one another, like, like, don't go too far from me. You know, even, even with our own kids, even when they grow up, there's at some level, you're still, you still miss them, you still long to be with them. I was working with a gentleman one time, a little project, and, and uh, it was around Christmas time, and, and he was up on a ladder, and I was basically doing what I do, I just hand him, like, okay, what do you need? Like, okay, I'll get you that, because that's, and he's really, and, and in the middle, he, he stops, and he looks at his watch, and he said, and, and his whole face, he said, uh, my, um, my boy's in the air now, my boy's in the air, he's coming home, he'll be home soon. And just think about that for a moment. Totally oblivious to everything else. And all I could think about was my, my boy's going to be home soon. Like obviously grown and out. But, but there's something that you just long for. You've seen it before. A, a, a brand new mother holding the little infant. And she just stares longing like she's lost, she's in love. Or how about the, 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 the face of the infant looking up at dear mama? Like, they're just infatuated. They're lost. They're abandoned in love. I remember standing at the bedside of an older woman who is dying in her very final minutes here on this earth. I was on one side of the bed, and on the other side of the bed was her daughter holding her mama's hand. And I remember the look. It's busy, there's chaotic, and things are beeping, and, and nurses and doctors are coming in and out and, and checking, and, and the, the, the daughter just holding, holding mom's hand. And you see, like, there's nothing else. There's nothing else they're focused on but that one. 
People, this, this morning, we need to see. Like, things move very quickly for us. We can accomplish a lot. We can check a lot off of, of lists. But this morning, this moment, we need to understand the importance. We need that type of total abandonment. abandonment. It's that type of being lost in love and adoration for the Lord of hosts. The Lord of all lords, King of all kings, our heavenly Father. We're so grateful. We're so thankful for what he has done for us. He has atoned for our sins, redeemed us, rescued us, offered us forgiveness and salvation. You realize, and we've been discussing this in the book of Romans, he has, he has justified us, which means, and you know the depths of what happens in the darkness of your own heart. You know how far you can be. And yet through the work God loved us so much that he offered his own sin, son, to die for our sins, to pay the price for us, that he now declares us what? Righteous. Justified. And, and the ongoing work, what happens after justification? Sanctification, that, that painful process of all the rough edges that are knocked off of us. The Holy Spirit patiently, everyone else would just give up on us. But the Holy Spirit doesn't give up on us, doesn't give up on you. That's, that's what the Lord is doing. He's allowing the Holy Spirit to sanctify us, to prepare us for what? That, that moment of glorification. I've heard that so many people are living in fear right now. Fear. When, when we know that we have been purchased. That God is patiently sanctifying us and preparing us for perfection, for glorification, for presence with him for all of eternity. There is nothing, there's nothing. I'm not taking anything flippantly, but there's nothing for believers to be afraid of. Knowing what God has done for us. Knowing who God is. Fulfilled every single promise. He's promised to fulfill. Just pause on that. And the silliness of our stockings hung by the chimney with care kind of like takes second place, and it ought to. We remember nothing else matters when we are caught up in the wonder of worship. That's, that's the what. That's what it is. Secondly and finally, I still would ask the question, like, but, excuse me, yeah, how do we do this? Like, we know what it is, like, okay, that total ban, we want that, okay. We realize what God has done, we realize who we are, and we understand the, the distance, the chasm that exists between the holy God and sinful man, and we are to worship, but, like, like how? How do we give form to this? What does it actually look like? For Elizabeth, this dear older woman, the mother of John the Baptist, the mere, the mere mention of the Savior's arrival and what? And the baby just leaps in her womb. Zacharias just begins to prophesy. 
God, God speaks directly to him, and he cannot be silent. The angels exalt. That's what they do. They're really good at it. They just exalt, and they keep exalting. Shepherds, I love these guys. Shepherds are us, okay? They're kind of like the lovable losers out back. What, what, what do the shepherds do? They just run. It says that they made haste. That's just a great old King James way to say they, they, they busted their tails. It says that they raced, that they ran, and they spoke everything that they had heard. I was struck this week as well, and, and I know that you've heard this story a thousand times, but the shepherds are kind of like the, the lower, what you would call the lower class. I don't like that term, but they were, they were the left behinds. They were the, the homeless, the drug addicts, okay, people that just kind of discard it. They were the shepherds. And yet, we also know that it was the kings offering pure gold. That's the two groups. Like, that's everyone. It represents everyone from here to here. Everyone comes to bow down in worship. We see what the angels do. We see what the shepherds do. But there's one, there's one person here that I think you would agree with me is, 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 is closer, is the closest in all human realm to Jesus with an intimacy that no other person could ever know. The one who was most directly affected by his birth. That's his, that's his, that's his mama. That's his mother, Mary. Mary, in a sense, teaches us here how to worship. She gives form to our worship. It's referred to in verses 46 through 56 of Luke chapter 1 as the Magnificat. I was reading notes yesterday with our family visiting, my, one of my dear nieces. And I asked Rachel, I said, Rachel, what's the Magnificat? She said, is it a magnificent cat, Uncle Tim? It's a great answer, but I was like, mm, wrong. No, actually, it's, it's the canticle of Mary. It's the song of Mary. It's the psalm of Mary. So as the Magnificat. Listen very carefully as Mary, the mother of Jesus, teaches us how to worship. Verse 46, and Mary said, my, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant, for behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He's brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he sent away empty. He's helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring 
forever. Mary remained with her, speaking of Elizabeth, about three months and then returned to her home. As Mary hears of who she is carrying, she burst forth in the only appropriate response, and that is a response of worship. So these, these verses are a song. They're meant to be sung. They're a psalm for us. And the whole focus of just how wonderful God is. My soul magnifies. My spirit rejoices. And then Mary, Mary adds this, this list that you see very quickly from 49 down through 54. God is mighty. God is holy. God is merciful. God is a protector, and she gives examples. He's shown strength. He's scattered the proud. He's brought down the mighty. God is the provider. He fills the hungry. I love the fact that he doesn't just fill the hungry. He fills the hungry with great things. God is helper. He helped his servants. You know, that's a pretty amazing list right there where all of her focus is on one. Mary simply, she cannot contain herself. She is so in love. She is lost in wonder for her son. But she's lost in wonder for her Savior. She knows that she's carrying the Messiah. She's the mother of God. Not in the sense that God derived any of his divine nature from her, as some false doctrines would teach. He did not. But only in the sense that he derived his human nature from her. She bore the human being who was God incarnate, which means what? One person, two natures. Fully God, fully man. Now, now, if Mary erupts in worship like that, and we know, we know that God is immutable, which means he does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Why, why are we worried about 2021? In any way? In any way? Why worry? Why fret? Why fear? With the unknown of a new year upon us. It was, it was unknown last year. God is still on the throne. God is still in control. He is still sovereign. And so we ask, we consider. How, how much attention are you giving? In the, in the wonder of your worship. To God and God alone. How in love. Are you with your Savior? How much time and attention does he take in the course of your day as you're racing to accomplish your long list that you have to do and accomplish and, and check off? How in love, could I ask this, how do you show your love? You can't, you can't tell your spouse, you can't tell your parent, your child, I love you, and then do nothing. How do, you, how do you express your love for your Savior? How do you express your worship? 
How, how do you give of yourself? As you're, you're lost, you're to be lost in abandonment. What's that look like? I'll leave you with this quote I read, Ronald Allen, who writes specifically on the subject of worship. And I love how practical this is. Listen very carefully as I quote. What, what then is the essence of worship? What is the essence of worship? It is the celebration of God. When we worship God, we celebrate Him. We extol Him. We sound His praises. We boast and brag in Him. Listen very carefully. Worship is not the casual chatter that occasionally drowns out the, the prelude. We celebrate God when we allow the prelude to attune our hearts to the glory of God by the means of the music. Worshiping is not the mumbling of prayers or the mouthing of songs with little thoughts and less hearts. We celebrate God when we join together earnestly in prayer and intensely in song. Worship is not self-aggrandizing words of boring cliches when one is asked to give a testimony. We celebrate God when all the parts of the service fit together and work to a common end. Worship is not grudging gifts or compulsory service. We celebrate God when we give to Him hilariously and serve Him with integrity. Worship is not haphazard music done poorly, not even great music done merely as a performance. We celebrate God when we enjoy and participate in music to His glory. Worship is not a distracted endurance of the sermon. We celebrate God as we hear His word gladly and seek to be conformed by it more and more to the image of of our Savior. Worship is not the hurried motions of a tacked-on Lord's table. We celebrate God preeminently when we fellowship gratefully at the ceremonial meal that speaks so centrally of our faith in Christ who died for us, who rose again on our behalf, and who is to return for our good. End quote. I, I think Mr. Allen gives some practical ideas of what worship looks like and how there's certain parts of our life that we just kind of like race through. And we need moments like this. We need seasons like this. I would dare say we even need hardship such as we are facing to be reminded of what I call a glorious reliance. Glorious reliance upon our glorious Savior. I trust as we close the book on 2020, I, 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 I trust and I pray that through this season, you have actually grown in, in your relationship. You've intensified the spirit of worship. That you truly love. So much so that you get lost in abandonment. Some of you are wrestling right now with the fact that I don't really know if I believe all of that.
than today. Today, there's no greater moment than today to recognize that you are a sinner. Sorry to burst your perfect little bubble. And that all of us as sinners need a Savior, and there was only one. As we reminded the little ones, he came as a baby in a manger, but he didn't stay as a baby in a manger. He grew to be our Savior, sacrificing himself for you. I'll tell you what, we need to love. We need to love as we've never loved before. And we need to prepare our hearts for when our Savior returns as conquering king. Would you bow our heads and pray with me? Father, we thank you for who you are. I thank you for your care for us and love, your gentleness and your grace. I thank you, Lord, for the way that you have revealed yourself to us through the incarnate Messiah. Thank you, Lord, for this story and the narrative of the Christmas season. We thank you, Lord, for the timing, the end of one year and the beginning of another. And Lord, as hard as it is, we thank you even for some of the tough days that we go through. For in those tough times, we rely upon you as never before. Give us the strength. We plead with you to give us the strength that we need. We do not have in ourselves to be faithful, faithful followers and worshipers of you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.